Kia ora, I'm Alex Ashton and this is The Detail. Today, what's going on with New Zealand First? There have been leaks, discontent and a resignation. Now, New Zealand First has referred a massive leak of members' personal details to the police and the Privacy Commissioner. Yesterday, a database from 2016, including the names, occupation, phone numbers and addresses of members and people affiliated with the party, was sent to news media and opposition MPs. That leak came on top of the party's president, Lester Gray, quitting because he says he'd been kept in the dark over the party's spending. And before that leak, there was another leak. Including details of a formal complaint laid by former party member Helen Peterson about how the 2017 campaign was run. Holding the reins of power has its trials. Where is the party heading? The problem of being in the centre is that you get squeezed on both sides. Finding that balance, I think, can be quite hard. What happens post-Winston Peters? He is 74. Well, we also have a succession plan. Who is it? Oh, dear. What do you need success to come from within the caucus? Oh, dear. Should New Zealand first be confident heading into the next election, or should they be worried? Ooh, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> Today marks the two-year anniversary of the coalition government, but as New Zealand first gathered in Christchurch for its annual convention, it was more interested in differentiating itself from Labour and the Greens, while also keeping the door slightly open to national. Ladies and gentlemen, of late we've been witnessing a desperate sinking into fake news and dirty politics. It was really rallying the troops more than anything substantial on the, the policy sense. It was, it was kind of business as usual, you know, Winston Peters attacking the media, attacking the National Party. Sam Suchdaver is newsroom.co.nz's political editor. He was in Christchurch over the weekend to cover New Zealand First's annual conference. Talking about the provincial growth, growth fund, all, all the wins they've had, it was more of a, a stock take in a sense than any sort of new direction heading towards 2020 and the uh, next year's election. But the fact is New Zealand First right now, as a party of the centre, is the National Party, with a capital N. It seemed to be a message largely for the party faithful, so people who are New Zealand First members, supporters already have voted for it, would like to be G'd up at what's been done so far. But but it also seemed in part that he was targeting perhaps some disaffected national voters, people on the right who are, who are, you know may support national generally but are worried about Labour and the Greens forming government again next year and, and looking for a party that can act as a, a handbrake, as, as Winston has put it. So, you know, killing off some of the, the more extreme ideas that, that some see as coming out of, of Labour and the Greens. Well, I'm just saying that uh, we stand for the national interest and we're proud of it. There seemed to be some so a fair amount of positivity. Obviously, there was those leaks that came out of, of the Auckland branch uh, heading into the conference from members dissatisfied with the, the election campaign, how candidates were chosen, how funds were spent. But that, that didn't really rear its head. And, I, I, you know, I think Winston spoke to that at the start of the conference, saying, essentially, our focus has to be entirely on on next year's election. If it doesn't fit in with that, leave it out. And I think that was a coded message to say, look, you know, any infighting, this is not, not the place for it. But there seemed to be positivity overall. I, I, you know, I think people were happy with, with what the party's done so far and, and where they're heading. Uh, no doubt there will be a little bit of dissatisfaction behind the scenes, but certainly they weren't uh, showing that to, to the public and the media who were gathered. And it was open to media completely? There weren't any restrictions on you? 
Yes, yeah, they're, they're actually, to their credit, in, incredibly open in, in what they show at these conferences. So a lot of parties, when they have uh, policy debates, well, we'll shut the media out, you'll get a, a few hand-picked speeches, but that's it. But, but in fact, when they debate their policy remits, which is sort of ideas that they may adopt into formal policy, they actually allow the media in. They did vote in favour of, of introducing legislation to create a 90-day or expand the 90-day trial to employers who want to employ recently released prisoners or long-term beneficiaries, anyone who who may present a, a bit of a risk, so an employer may be reluctant to take them on. The idea is that putting a you know this ninety-day trial in place for them, allowing them to use it, might might actually help in terms of some of those people who may not find work otherwise. They also voted to investigate the trialling of some methane suppressing technologies like ryegrass, genetically engineered ryegrass, that's being developed. You know, the idea is obviously that will help to mitigate the the carbon effect of of, um, our dairy and agriculture sector. And uh, one that caught the eye was um, to investigate 100 hours of compulsory community service for young people aged 15 to 19. So the idea seems to be that that would be a uh, a little bit of character building, I guess, sort of building up some moral fibre. New Zealand First, the party of generally old New Zealanders, wants to force young New Zealanders to be more helpful. We're talking about putting some time aside for your country and your community. We'll get that policy up and we'll see how it goes. It is important to note that these are not official policies yet. So sure. what happens now is even if they are supported, they go through to the party caucus and it's the caucus that makes the final decision, the MPs. You know, do we actually want to adopt this? Do we not? But, it, 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 well, there were some interesting ideas that are certainly being discussed at the grassroots level and uh, among the membership. But when you look at the final speech, what was on there, it was it was very light on policy detail. There, there was some discussion about beefing up Kiwi Bank, about reforming the RMA, but those have been long-standing New Zealand First policies. There's, there's nothing surprising about that. The only... Uh, policy commitment or detail that was slightly new was this this idea of encouraging more women into the trades which is you know an interesting concept but that's that's not really the sort of substantive meaty announcement that you would generally expect from uh, political party conferences yeah it does seem a, a little bit bitsy yeah, yeah, exactly. And you actually, you look back to last year, there wasn't anything major announced then either. So there's, there's always a balance for parties. You want to be able to keep your powder dry, right? And especially heading into an election year, keep keep some stuff up your sleeve for, for when uh, voters, the public are paying more attention. But at the same time, there is the risk of, of being seen as a little bereft of, of new ideas. Perhaps the, the unlikely stars of this whole thing were the youth wing. Move over, grey power. Here comes young New Zealand first. The youth wing of the party not only won over its leader at the weekend's conference, but the majority of the membership too. Who were they? Have they? Has it always been a a thing? New Zealand first youth? (laughs) No. Well, it's you know it's often been a running joke, and in fact, I I saw that on the um, on the Sunday uh, when they sort of hit the headlines. There are a few people saying, "Oh, the youth wing is that the fifty to sixty five year olds?" But they have become increasingly prominent. New Zealand first didn't have a a sort of formal constitutionally sound youth wing until about 2015, I think, is when they sort of formalised those arrangements. But but in recent years, they have been growing a bit more of a profile and, and having more of a say, and they, they actually did get a big win. New Zealand First youth members have managed to get the party to rethink its approach to 
pill testing. NZ First put the brakes on a plan supported by its coalition partners to allow drug testing at festivals and other events. But members of Young New Zealand First were adamant the party should reconsider. Now that was a late addition to the the conference agenda, uh, but Winston Peters agreed to fast track that and, and make sure that would get heard. And you know, to to their credit, they they won over the party. Certainly, I think more of the caucus would be opposed to pill testing than are in favour. But um, you know, they made their case. Said, look, we're a common sense party. This this is a common sense policy, reducing uh, harm reducing hospitalisations, and they, they won over a majority of the, the membership. So that was um, pretty big for them, I think, and they seemed very chuffed afterwards. We had to work our bums off for the past four years to show them that they can trust us, trust us to be in positions like we are right now, trust us to stand up and spoke like we did. It wasn't easy. There is an interesting mix of influences within the youth wing. Um, you know, one of the members, Rob Gore, spoke about Michael Joseph Savage, you know, cradle to the grave. So that's sort of traditional Labour way back when. But at the same time, he was talking about we're a, we're a nationalist party, not the ugly kind of nationalists. Or then spoke about the nine patriots in Parliament versus the 111 globalists. And that's the sort of language that has been used by... Uh, you know, Donald Trump, but also members of the alt-right. So, you know, that that's not to say that they are in the alt-right, but there is an interesting mix there, and I don't know where that is going to head in, in the coming years. I think the spin-off reported uh, a while ago, there was some talk from within the alt-right about trying to take over the, the youth wing. Now, I, I don't think that's happened. There's no evidence to say it's the case. But, um, yeah, just a strange sort of medley of, of ideologies uh, within that youth wing. Looking ahead now, so I'm really interested in the New Zealand First, and I think I was in one of your pieces I saw this, describing itself as an insurance policy to kind of pull back from the extremes of, well, in this case, Labour and the Greens. Is that a new strategy? It's, it's certainly being ramped up. I think that's always been in the background, and that's that's been part of New Zealand First's messaging for time immemorial, is that, you know, we're not, we're not hard left or we're hard we're not hard right, we're the, we're the party that's in the middle and common sense and, you know, all those things. But it, it's certainly being ramped up. And, and um, Winston Peters' speech was, was almost about what the government hasn't done as much of what it has done and, you know, New Zealand First's role in, in blocking some of that. We have kept the government on the right track by stopping economically damaging policies like the complex capital gains tax. Industrial relations reforms, which have been uh, watered down or delayed, the Climate Change Commission, which New Zealand First has secured some some changes to. So it's that sort of framing, you know. Obviously, there was discussion about the provincial growth fund, uh, foreign affairs policy, where they've done some work. But it was kind of, hey, look, there are all these wacky ideas that we've actually managed to stop, and this is the value of of having us here. Are they lining themselves up to? really ideally be in the same government setup next time around? I think so. Uh, Winston insists, you know, look, we could we could go with Labour, we could go with National, we keep our options open. But I, I find it very hard to see a scenario in which he could he could swap sides and effectively go with National. You know, his speech had about fifteen references or so to, to the National Party, most of them negative. Simon Bridges precarious hold on his party leadership. Today's National Party that's going to have to change. The National Party, National, now turning to National. Not just talking about the National Party, but at one point even morphing into it. The fact is New Zealand First, right now, 
as a party of the centre is the National Party. He went into the over-the-air uh, fake news, as he put it, the social media attack ads that they've been using. You know, spoke about uh, Stephen Joyce's $11.7 billion fiscal hole, which came up in the 2017 campaign and, and how wrong he says that was. Even Ruth Richardson and her economic reforms from the 90s. So he spent a lot of it sort of looking backwards and, and going on the tack against National. So with, with all of that in mind, I find it very difficult to to see a scenario in which he could he could work with National and National could work work with him. It would just a lot would need to change on both sides, and I don't see that occurring in the next year or so. Now the Greens are up one uh, to seven, and New Zealand First also up one to four. But that slight increase for those support partners is not going to be much comfort for Labour, because what is happening in this poll and the News Hub poll last night is starting to show that downward decline for the Labour Party vote and Nationals' vote not only holding up but increasing. They're sitting around 4% in the polls, which they wouldn't be too uncomfortable with, uh, given they're a wee way out from the election campaign. But at the same time, that's a little bit off, sa- off safety. And I think generally what has happened for New Zealand first when it's gone into government is it does lose a bit of its vote to, to the opposition because, you know, Winston plays both sides of the fence, keep manages to peel in some Labour voters, some national voters, but then he has to choose, right? He has to go into coalition. And I think there are some disgruntled national supporters who had gone with New Zealand first, hope, hoping he would go into coalition with national and need to be let down. So it may be about trying to, to peel some of them off and have them back. I, I guess the hope is that... Um, as we get closer to the uh, election, Simon Bridges and National start to fade, look like they're not going to be in a position to, to form a government. And then New Zealand first can say, look, we're, we're here, you know, your guys aren't going to get in, but we can, we can stop these nutters on the left from doing whatever they want. You just need to vote for us. So I, I think that's, that's the strategy. Whether or not it's effective uh, remains to be seen. Is there any talk of a possible deal with Labour in terms of making sure they get a seat? Uh, he, uh, no, there's not. Winston Peters is always adamant. We we don't do deals. We've never done deals. You could look at the 2015 by-election in Northland and say, is that the case? His argument is that there was no no formal uh, agreement per se, but Andrew Little did give a, a nudge and a, a nod and a wink to his supporters saying, you know, look, maybe our candidate's not in the best position to win this. Maybe it, it needs to be New Zealand first. So uh, you, you wouldn't rule out something uh, similar happening this time around. He did say to me, I spoke to him before the conference and he said you know Labour and the Greens didn't have a hope in, ha- in Hades of, of winning at the 2017 election that w- in Northland, that was when Winston lost his seat, the National Party took it back so he said you know look they didn't have a hope in Hades, maybe they might want to think about that you know going into next year whether it actually is feasible for them to win that seat so that's a, again a sort of a, a coded little nudge to them saying, well, you know, you, you may need us around. The odds are that you're not going to be able to win the seat on your own. Do you really want to to block us out there and, and have us fall out of Parliament? I'll admit for my friends in the media that it's all bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it was announced yesterday, certain sections of them are going. <laughs> and now they're shot. Now, I'm sorry for some of them, because they deserve to stay. But for some of them, good riddance. You say there was still that same anti-media rhetoric coming from 
Winston Peters at the conference. Mm. Where was that coming from and what was he saying? And and who's he appealing to with that? You would be surprised. I think, you know, you look at populist politicians around the globe, Donald Trump, obviously, uh, Boris Johnson, Nigel Farage in the United Kingdom, and, you know, plenty of other countries. There, there is um, some appetite from a certain part of the electorate in, in taking on the, you know, the liberal elites and the media, those that think they're better than the rest of us. You know, we're, we're not that popular, unfortunately. So, you know, he, he obviously had a, a bit of a dig at at MediaWorks, uh, which I, I thought was a little bit uh, too far, to be honest. All I'm saying is that when you are in the position of MediaWorks, maybe you should have had a better understanding of the economic environment in which you were operating. It suggests to me that they didn't at that very level. Now, there are some superb people that work for MediaWorks. I won't tell you who they are. The crowd lapped it up. They were uh, they, they laughed along with him whenever he had a little jibe. There was a mixed response, actually, to that MediaWorks remark, though, which was, was heartening in a sense. There certainly seemed to be a little bit of sympathy from the crowd, although there were a few cheers, so a, a mixed response on that one. Has there been any talk or hints or suggestions from Winston Peters about what his longer-term plan is? Because he's been there for a, a long time. Yeah, he, he plays his cards pretty close to his chest. Um, again, when when I spoke to him heading into the conference, he said, I'm not immortal, which is, you know, stating the obvious, but maybe it's not for, for Winston. And he said, you know, look, I'm, I, I'm not going to be around forever. I'm, I'm not one of those people who can't leave the place and need to stay in the government forever. You know, some would argue, is, is that really true when you've been here for, for going on four decades? I've been to a few of these things, and usually when you ask the party faithful who's next in line to the throne, they will not budge from backing Peters or even conceiving of a world in which he is not the leader. So it was surprising that so many were willing to give their reckons and fascinating too how divided they were. I do think he is starting to think or has on his mind when he's going to to pull the pin and and call it quits. He's committed to running at the next election, um, unless something changes before then. But I I would be surprised at this point if he was to stand again at come 2023, although that comes with the the obvious caveat that you you can never predict what Winston Peters is going to do. Well, let's say this is his last election, and look at that as a possibility. What then for New Zealand first? Because it is a party so synonymous with him as a leader. Yeah, yeah, he has he has sort of sucked up all the oxygen for decades now. So there are you know there are some ministers in the party, some have formed a profile, but it, it largely has been Winston for so long. So it's 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 hard to see who will rise up and, and necessarily fill that void. Shane Jones, I think, is, is the obvious candidate. There is talk about him running in Northland um, instead of Winston. So get get himself a seat, uh, a provincial base. He's obviously um, not been shy about getting himself in the headlines as the, the provincial champion, the lion of the regions, taking on Air New Zealand and Fonterra and any other number of, of, of big businesses. So he, he would seem the most likely candidate. But there are others around, Tracy Martin. Martin, Ron Mark, both have been deputy leaders at some point. Fletcher Tabato, the current deputy, you know, is a very close uh, associate of, of Winston. They've known each other a long time. So there are a, a few options, but it, it's it's just too hard to say. And, you know, I don't think there's any huge appetite within the party for, a, you know, an urgent change of leadership now. You know, one of the Young New Zealand First members said Moses led the Israelites to the promised land at the age of 80. So, you know, Winston Peters can, can work well into his 80s. Based on the numbers at the moment and based on how they've done in government, 
Should New Zealand first be confident heading into the next election, or should they be worried? Ooh, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I think they would be relatively comfortable, with the caveat that every time they have gone into government, at the following election, they've fallen below 5%. In 1999, they only stayed in because Winston Peters uh, held on to an electorate seat in Tauranga. Uh, 2008, they obviously dropped out of Parliament for uh, for three years. So that, that will worry them, I think. That will be on their minds, that there is a history there of, of them sort of losing some of their support as a result of, of actually being inside government. But, you know, they're at 4%. Who knows what could happen in terms of an arrangement one of the electorate seats. I think overall they would probably be more comfortable than not. That's The Detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. The Detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. And if you want to know more about that pill testing issue we talked about, check out our podcast from October the 16th. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. Our associate producer is Kaitiki Masalamani. Kakite Anil.